0: podcast is a proud member of the Ciphercast network. Discover more at ciphercast.net and follow us on Twitter at ciphercastnet.
1: Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott and I'm Dave, and we'll be your guides on the path of suns. Today we sing My Path Takes Me Strange Places, where we talk about locations you can find under the green sun. Join us on the Path of Suns, and we may uncover a secret or two.
0: When we cast My Path Takes Me Strange Places, we discuss the setting of Invisible Sun. It's time for us to move on to the green sun and talk about the locations that Visley can find there. So before we really dig into the green sun's locations, I just want to recap what the green sun is all about. So the green sun is the present. It is union. It is biological pairing. It is parenting. It is the cycle of life. It is also movement, which is very important if you have a weaver who likes to teleport everywhere. (laughs) So, um, a couple thing, a, a couple more things to note. Well, maybe one more thing to note. Um, locations under the green sun, it's the green sun is always changing. Everything under it is always changing. Uh, new, uh, new plants will grow. New animals will appear, and they will not be around for long before they are, you know, consumed by decay and rot and replaced by something new. This, this world under the green sun is always changing. So when we talk about locations here, for the most part, um, these are going to be natural places that somehow persist under the green sun and uh, sometimes are protected against the ever-changing nature that the green sun enforces upon its realm. So um, there are also not a whole lot of locations under the green sun in comparison to, say, the silver sun, or at least that's how it feels. Um, So,
1: yeah, um, Scott, did you read through the the green sun stuff? I did. uh, And I, I had the same impression that because there are not permanent structures, for the most part, in the green, it's harder for them to write a section of locations because we're used to that section being cities or Towers or whatever, but instead they're kind of zones of particular natural habitats that are uh, therefore more robust to these changes of the green than would be a keep out on the uh, green borderlands. Um, this doesn't mean that there
0: are not inhabitants of the green sun that your Visley may want to go talk to. Um, if you find yourself around the Lake of Lost Tongues, it's a massive lake and there are nomadic tribes that will live along its shores. So this lake is going to be a bit more persistent. This is, you know, the biome that you're going to find these nomads within. Um and that's that's, you know, that's that's a lake. Um so but I want to talk about uh, the fiddler's garden, which I think is much more interesting only for the fact that the fiddler that tends the garden is an interesting figure that you can have in the invisible sun or under the green sun. Um, So the, the fiddler's garden is uh, it is a a place under the green sun where the fiddler tends to the herbs in his garden, the herbs and flowering plants and all sorts of things. Um, So the, the fun thing about these herbs is that they will allow Visley or whoever, you know, takes these herbs It'll allow them to do all sorts of crazy things like transforming into a flock of birds or aging backwards for, you know, a bit of time. Uh, but there is a, a steep cost to gaining access to these herbs. And it is, you know, you have to tell your secret name to the fiddler. And how much do you know Like the fiddler's green? This is something that shows up in folklore and other stuff. Um, I want to say, wasn't, was the Fiddler in the Sandman? Yes. Okay. So you, you probably are way more familiar with, you know, the Fiddler and its history than I am.
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) I know that there is a reference to a place slash character called Fiddler's Green in Sandman, that it is some sort of idealized kind of prairie or, or, or garden. Um, that's it though. That's the extent of my knowledge. Uh, so the Fiddler's Green showed up in my campaign. I had
0: my I had my players head over there because uh, one of them wanted to find a secret name. And as I was reading through all this, I said, "Oh, hey, the Fiddler's Green sounds like that would be a perfect place to send everybody." Because um, I had, you know, one of the other players wanted to go to the Green Sun for some reason. So I I gave another one of the characters a reason to go there and said, "Hey, go talk to the fiddler." And you're going to be able to learn secret names from the fiddler. And uh, the way I set it, set it up was, if you go there and listen to the fiddler's song, uh, there is a chance that you're going to be able to learn the secret names that you're looking for. And yeah, that was that was a fun little thing. We didn't we didn't dig into his herb garden. Um, I actually like totally glossed over it when I was reading through it. Um, but hey, the fiddler's green is a, a place that you can find under the green sun that. Um, is a bit more permanent than, than other places.
1: And it's a great uh, place to send uh, players if they need reagents or herbs for potions or other sorts of materials. This this is a cultivated place within the green, very close to the, ver- the, the, the foundations of natural life. And so if you want to send them there, all you have to do is say that there is an herb or a bark or something like that that they're going to have to get from its source in the Fiddler's Green.
0: Yeah, that's oh, that's something I don't really think about, like, you know, getting reagents um, when my characters are looking for things. I'll have to keep that in mind. Um, the The next one that I want to talk about, and honestly, we're probably going to touch on all the locations here because there aren't that many. Um, the, the Gallows Forest. Uh, I really like this one because it takes one of the concepts of Invisible Sun and turns it on its head. And so the gallows forest is this forest, uh, with trees that look like gallows and they have hangman, hangman nooses and it's miles across. Um, cool. Great. Um, there's some interesting notes about what these trees are, but the, the really interesting thing here is that if you are hanged from one of these trees, you do not pass into the pale, you get stuck in this forest forever. And your vengeful ghost wanders around and makes this place extremely dangerous to go to. So normally, if you were to die, if, you know, the idea of something were to die, there is a ghost or there is something that passes along to the pale. And this subverts that whole notion, which makes the gallows forest an extremely dangerous place for any Visley to go. Because right now, all of the Visley in my, well, all of the players in my game, they they look at death as, oh, it's not a permanent state. It's something that we're going to move on to the pale if it happens. And it doesn't sound like a punishment. It sounds interesting. And if it happens, hey, it's going to be inconvenient, but it's not the end of my character's story. But the Gallows Forest changes that. Um, is this like, is that something you, you might be able to find some use for Scott?
1: Yes. Especially if you wanted to, uh, again, if you, for whatever reason, going to the pale had become trite or, you know, if there, you didn't want to do that for whatever reason, then you might be able to find someone who died, who's been trapped in this cycle within, uh, within the green, rather than sending them out, your players out, uh, to the pale as they would usually go to.
0: I could also see it being an interesting place to put a stronghold for an antagonist so that the environment itself would feel even, it would feel much more dangerous than anywhere else in the actuality.
1: Mm-hmm. At least so far, because they could have other places that have similar exceptions.
0: Uh, yeah, I haven't run into it yet, but uh, I'm, yeah, you're probably right. There's something out there. Um, which reminded me of something that we're not going to talk about.
1: (laughs) But we are going to talk about charring rest.
0: Yeah. um, So this is one of the, this one stands out as an exception to me uh, because the, um, the gallows forest is a forest. So trees are going to be sprouting up and, you know, collapsing, you know, in the course of their normal life cycle. But Rest is a massive tree that is resisting the the changing elements of the green sun. Yeah, and the reason it is you know, resisting that is there is a Visley family that lives within the tree. Uh, this would be the Fierce family, but it seems like they're more of a cult than a family. I don't know if cult is the right word for it. They're just a, a group of Visley who live in this tree... And are tending to it and preventing it from falling to decay, which would be the normal life cycle. So here you have, you know, that same sort of concept being twisted and the Visley are trying to prevent this tree from falling into decay uh, like everything else does under the green sun.
1: So it it breaks one of the rules of the green sun, uh, but it also provides a an environment that people are often looking for in a massive natural expanse in a fantasy setting, even a surreal fantasy setting, which is that tr- the trope of the giant tree people live in.
0: Yeah. And it's a, a giant tree filled with, you know, extremely adept and knowledgeable Visley. So it, it could be a very interesting place to go if you're looking for, um, you know, knowledge of some sort and they're going to know a whole lot about Uh, preservation and uh, life magic and things like that.
1: And it suggests, maybe for the first time in in this set of locations, actual conflict that you could use as the basis for a story or campaign because the tree itself is maintained by this family against forces that are trying to take the tree down, the lignicides. And so suddenly you have conflict and you actually can tell a story there rather than it just being a location that your, your story is playing out in.
0: And the lignicides, when I first was reading through this, I said, Oh, are, are lignicides just like creatures or a group that are looking to destroy this tree? Uh, but you know, in reading it a little bit more, it looks like the lignicides are some sort of creature that they're knowledgeable about, uh, botany and really good at wood cutting. So uh, it, it doesn't get into the details with the, of what the lignicides are uh, other than they exist and they are creatures that live under the green sun I would think
1: yeah I would create I would probably uh, frame them as a giant um, surreal logging corporation and have like the logging uh, machines they have in World of Warcraft that <laughs> the, the goblins <laughs> the goblins have when they're cutting down trees maybe have uh, not just machines but uh, other animals that are that also are cutting down trees uh, and then ask like why do they want this well maybe they're all of the rebuilding going on in Saturn has made it uh, so that the demand for wood is high enough to justify trying to uh, gather wood from the green sun itself which would then be controversial for the subversion of the purpose of the green sun. And suddenly you have an entire campaign frame around sort of the preservation of the green versus the exploitation of the green for growth purposes um, and for the you know comfort of people in Saturine. So I see many possible stories coming out of this.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting location. Um, the The next one is a pretty small one. Like this just feels more like an environmental hazard to me. Um, Mm -hmm. then again, there are, there, there might be more reason to why these things are showing up and that would be, uh, Foley's Quagmire's or yeah, Yeah. Foley's Quagmire's. I don't know. How do
1: you want to pronounce it? Uh, Foley's sounds fine. Any, any of those are fine. Again, I I don't think too long about pronunciation of fake words. I don't think about it either until I
0: start talking on a podcast. (laughs) Yes. Uh, but these are basically sinkholes in the sky that cause beings to sink upwards into the sky face first. And these these things are going to you know, smother anybody that gets ensnared in them unless they can break free and swim back to Earth. And the visual that I have of this, you know, really remind it really feels like a surreal painting of, oh, you know, you got you know, people walking through a forest and then suddenly getting pulled into the sky and trying to swim out, but, you know, suffocating while they're up in there. Um, and this feels like just a a nice little environmental hazard to introduce to any sort of adventure that happens under the green sun. So instead of quicksand, you have, um, you know, quagmires in the sky that can mire your, your characters. Uh And there's one little note that says that these might actually be caused by uh Foley, which is a being of the blue that is trapped here against their will and is just, you know, taking their vengeance out on, you know, travelers under the green sun.
1: Yeah, I had a hard time visualizing this, so I, I, I didn't think long about how to incorporate it into a campaign but I, I think it is an interesting surreal hazard because it's just quicksand upside down
0: <laughs> yeah um so instead of quicksand you would have clouds that they that your people would be sinking into mm-hmm. so i'm not quite sure how i would describe it or how i would narrate it to my players to get them to understand like oh those clouds that are the the clouds it feels like they're sinking down on top of you but as the clouds start to envelop you in their fog they like you can feel you're, you're you're being lifted off your feet into the sky and the clouds themselves are making breathing more difficult and you know that that's kind of what i would want to be you know telling my players like here's the experience here's what's happening it's kind of like quicksand but you're getting pulled off the ground so moral quandaries yes <laughs> the moral um, quandary
1: yeah and this is a fun uh pun that's that reminds me of something I didn't mention in the last episode uh, swamp thing is for a horror comic surprisingly rife with puns um and here is we have a pun for the green sun in teratology where you have the moral quandary which we think of as being a something that is a you know perplexing conflict of of, of morals um uh, but it also has fungi which means there's actually a m o r e l quandary okay. as well as an m o r a l quandary and I, that's something i would I'm, probably pay like,
0: the next time i talk to you, monty or Shauna, or whose names are on this i think it's the two of them i'm going to yell at them about that
1: I was afraid you were going to say the next time you talk to me, you're going to uh, punch me because for pointing that out. Uh, and you pointed Bruce it out, is, but
0: somebody came up with it.
1: Yes. Uh, and Bru- uh, Bruce Cordell is also credited with this book. Okay. So you can yell at lots of people. I'll yell at all three of them. <laughs> well, th- this was interesting to me because I did a lot with. Fungus in my campaign when we visited the green, Mm -hmm. because that fungus was a was an interesting way to play with our usual uh, images of animals versus plants, and say, well, yeah, but what about things that are neither animal nor plant, and that would be fungus, and uh, had some uh, elements of of the campaign kind of play off of that. Uh, Here we have the integration of the green uh, of the of the of plants and fungus to create this maze. This, this
0: maze, as I'm reading through it, it really, it sounds like you could turn this into something that is very similar to a dungeon crawl. Like you've got this labyrinth that is filled with creatures and you've got something in the labyrinth that, you know, you know, people want, like I could, I could see this just, you know, being a good place where you could drop, uh, if you're, if you're, players are looking for a dungeon crawl of sorts. You could drop this in there and say, Hey, there's something in the middle of this labyrinth that you need to get for some reason. Like, here you go and watch out. There's, there are scary monsters in here.
1: And yet something enticing in the middle. That's not yet defined. Yep. And whatever it is, unfamiliar creatures.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, that would be a, that'd be one way I could, I could drop this in.
1: Um, it also gets around the, the, the statement that, the, you know, the green, there are not permanent structures. Well, a maze would be a permanent structure unless the maze is itself composed of plants and is continually growing in new, more labyrinthine ways. So it's always growing and changing, uh, even though it is permanent in the sense that it is a location or an area that may always have the moral quandary. But uh, its layout will change and it is not subject to the same uh, forces that would overrun an actual, like, dungeon or something like that
0: Uh, you could also have the moral quandary growing itself across the green sun you know it doesn't need to be in the same spot it could be moving
1: Mm -hmm. one could Um, put up camp one day and find them find oneself when you wake up in the morning overtaken and then suddenly inside the moral quandary
0: oh yeah that would be fun
1: Fun but yeah it's
0: it's impermanent and there's no reason that it can't just move and uh, rearrange itself as you see fit. Uh, so the last location that we have here is the Viridescent Vineyard. And I wasn't quite sure about this one. So this is, it's a vineyard, it's a huge domain. And the the thing that I'm not quite sure about is, hey, this is where all the colors of green are grown and harvested and processed. What, is, what does that mean, Scott? <laughs> Yeah, I Are we talking I, about like the aspects of the green sun or are we talking about green, the color and all of its shades I, and hues?
1: I uh like had the same question, although I was also wondering if, you know, if a blue flower in the green was supposed to have some connection to the blue sun, whether this is simply the diversity of plants in the green or if it was hinting that the different colored plants might also have connections to their respective suns, and that would imply that this location has sort of this convergence of the sun's influences.
0: I, uh, I'm not quite sure I follow. So,
1: so what, instead of just being shades of green
0: in the vineyard,
1: well, I mentioned it's a bunch of of flowers of various kinds. If it's a vineyard, is going to be, I guess mostly grapes um or things that have vines Mm -hmm. and the flowers in those vines are all the different shades now that could be shades of green but i could see it also being all the if it's all the colors of green it could be all the colors that uh natural life takes on which would be pretty much all the colors
0: okay so Um, if, if we're growing blue flowers in or blue fruits in one of the parts of the vineyard you're
1: you're suggesting that that might be connected to the blue sun it might be. It might be an indication of an aspect of the blue that is here intersecting with the green. And it it, it could be part of the necessary hybridization of all life, that one of the characteristics of life and growth and change is that all life is itself impure to the extent that impurity implies just that you're mixing of different elements, components. And here it might be that uh, this might be a location where the green it intersects in maybe little ways with all of the other suns and hybridizes with those suns to create blue flowers and pale flowers and red flowers uh, that create vibrant new forms of of life within the green itself uh, that are then can be turned into wines or, or whatever it may be. But I may be reading way too much into all the colors of the green.
0: No, I, I don't think you're reading too much into it. I think that's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> pick this apart and try to read too much into it um but yeah if if it is hybridizing all of the colors like it it seems like that could be a very significant place for all of the actuality and then the job of the synexia uh would be extremely important um as they're guarding the perimeter against thieves and trespassers, but they also ferment the stuff into wines and uh, they deliver raw, raw colors to wherever the colors
1: of green go. So again, it could be something much deeper where they are delivering these hybridized green plus some other sun, uh, wines that have various purposes. And this is a much better idea than I had for the various hybridized colors in my campaign. I might have to find a way to shift over to this location.
0: Uh, Retconning is totally acceptable. (laughs) Um, So uh, are there any closing thoughts that we have about locations of the green sun before we wrap up here?
1: Even though we started by saying that the challenge of the green sun is there's no permanent structures, uh, they do illustrate in the sections of teratology how you could still have zones and interesting places to visit even if there isn't a giant city or a wizard's tower or anything along those lines, there's still a lot you can do with the green. I think this illustrates a range of possible options, even if not quite as well realized as the section of uh, uh, interatology for locations of the silver sun.
0: Yeah. And I think we're going to see more, you know, how the the green sun is embodied more in its locations and in its creatures next time when we talk about, you know, the different creatures that we're going to find under the green sun itself.
1: This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from drive Through RPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can find me at agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter.
0: And you can find me at tex underscore red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, It really helps us out. Uh, We also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad, Uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and help people find us.